This is the Craft of Coaching podcast, where you'll learn about how to become a life coach with a strong skill set through understanding the craft of coaching. I'm Kate Swoboda, also known as Kate Courageous. As the director of a life coach training program called the Courageous Living Coach Certification Program, I'm passionate about the craft of coaching and how we evolve the skills and the industry. Learn more about our program at teamclcc.com, and here's today's episode. Hey, hey there. Today's episode is all about helping clients to take action. How do we help people to take action? And particularly, something I hear from people when they are considering applying to the Courageous Living Coach Certification is, I don't have my own life in order. I don't always take action. How am I supposed to support someone else in taking action in their life when sometimes I have trouble taking action in my own life? Well, before I get into some of the ways that you can help clients take action as a craft-driven approach, I just want to address that mindset real quick. Here's the thing. There's no doctor who has perfect health. There's no accountant who has perfect finances and go talk to any therapist and as long as they have integrity, they'll tell you that they don't have all their SHIT together either. It is not a prerequisite that you have your life perfectly together before you step into the work of helping others with their lives. Now, also from an integrity perspective, yeah, if you know that you are out of integrity in some area in your life, And particularly if you know that you basically have trouble 90% of the time with taking action, you want to work on that before you start helping others with it, right? And that's part of why the Courageous Living Coach Certification, which is the program of which I am the director, emphasizes so much personal work. Like you are not sitting down and going, let's see, here's a client The client is here, they want to get over there, what are the boxes they need to tick in between so that they can move along this logical progression, and then yay, they got over there, so now they're happy. That's not how we approach training. How we approach training is looking at you. Where are the places where you get resistant, where you get afraid, where you don't take action in your life? And how can we help you look at that and use that as the training ground for why you and every other human being on the planet gets stuck in the first place. The idea is that you'll emerge not just having learned the skill set of coaching, but that you'll have actually done some of this work yourself, which is very important work to do. And I'm always so glad when someone says they really feel like that has got to be part of their process. But let's get back to, okay, so specific things that you can be doing to help your clients take action. First thing, have you set up a container with your client that is about an expectation that the coaching arrangement is about taking action? That might seem a little bit funny, but you would be surprised. There are definitely clients who arrive at the coaching relationship environment pretty much thinking that if they have a coach, that that coach will hold them accountable. And I think that for some reason, this misconception about coaching happens because of the very name coach. When you think of a coach, right, most of us think of that stereotype of this 
you know, like a football movie, right? Where the coach is like, get on out there to the blah, blah, blah yard line. Sorry, I'm not a, not a football person. <laughs> um, myself and Lara Heacock, one of the other lead coaches in the CLCC, we call all sports sports ball because we don't totally understand what's going on with any of it. But that is the misperception, right? That that the coach in those football movies is screaming at the players going, get your butt out there and do the work and, you know, perform and all that. And the players are alternate are alternately fearing slash motivated by this behavior. Thus, they get out there and they perform better because someone's pushing them to perform better. And people think sometimes when they show up to coaching that that's how it's going to roll. That if the client goes into an old pattern and doesn't follow through on something they say they're going to follow through on, that the coach will turn into that motivational slash maybe a little pushy, intimidating, don't you believe in yourself or something. Um, And that that's going to motivate the client to take action in their lives. That is not how the majority of coaches that I affiliate with practice, Um, and it's certainly not how we train people to work with clients in the Courageous Living Coach Certification. So what am I talking about when I'm talking about setting that container with the client at the start of your work with them? Well, when you first start working with a client, make sure you let them know, here's how we handle you moving through this process of confronting your resistance so that you can look at what you want to shift and take action in the direction of something better. So that might look like letting the client know, I'm not going to come down on you if you don't complete practices in between sessions that you have with me. And I want to be really clear with you, if you don't complete practices in between our sessions, you will be selling yourself short. Or you won't be getting everything out of this that you could be getting. Just being really really clear. I really love what Brene Brown has been talking about in her latest book, um, Dare to Lead, which is that unclear is unkind and clear is kind. Clear is kind, unclear is unkind. Let's be clear with our clients from the outset. Here are the costs of not taking action in your life. And I want to be an advocate for you as your coach. I want to let you know that there are costs. There are ways in which you won't get as much out of this process. I don't want you to experience the disappointment around that. And you're always in choice. Just this past week in the CLCC program, we actually had a trainee who came to the Um, private forum where we communicate in between all of our program calls. And she was asking about that. She was asking about, you know, what's kind of that line where, you know, you've got somebody who says, I'm going to take this or that action as part of being in coaching with me. And maybe they do, maybe they don't. I don't want to nanny them. I don't want to make them feel bad. How do I handle that? And there were so many great responses, supportive responses from other trainees. And one of the things I love about our trainees is that people come from different backgrounds. So we end up, you know, it's not like the only people who know something are myself and the rest of the CLCC leadership team. There are trainees who have been part of organizations and they have wonderful, helpful things to offer. And, you know, people are going, you know what, you've got this and helping this person 
think about what word choices they want to use. And what I thought of when I was responding to this person is almost like a Venn diagram. And it's like a Venn diagram is when you have those two circles that overlap only in the middle. And the overlap in a coach-client relationship is all about the, the things that concern both the coach and the client. Those are things like payment. Those are things like being on time to sessions, you know, the container for when the session is going to take place. Those are things like how fulfilled each person is from the coaching relationship. But the client's business is their process. And the coach's business is monitoring their own bias as the client is in process. I cannot actually know with 100% certainty that any client's process is supposed to look a certain way. I can only know what my bias is about how I quote unquote think it should look or what my bias is from a place of these are just my, my kind of ground rules. This is what fulfills me to work with people on. And for sure, there are going to be clients where if they are routinely not really following through on the things that they want to do, you as coach are going to feel like the sessions just don't feel quite alive. And you can speak into that. You can have a really honest, open, transparent conversation with the client about what you notice and what you think the costs are of the client not following through. The dangerous area, I think, is getting into judgment of clients when they don't follow through. That's the big thing that I think we got to monitor as coaches. It, we cannot know for sure that somebody's process is supposed to look any different than it does. And in fact, I have absolutely seen clients not follow through multiple times. And then the fact that in particular that they're investing money in coaching and time in coaching has them go, look at me, I'm doing the same thing again, done, no more. This has to change. I cannot keep doing this. I cannot. And that can be a really powerful place for a client to go to that they might not hit if I, as the coach, were nannying them or nagging them or trying to get them to follow what I see as my timeline, right? There are other things that you can do, though, that can really help clients take action. I wanted to talk about specifically practices. Um, practices are the work that you have clients doing in between sessions. The idea is that sessions become a place where the client can do some real, very alive, vital uh, role plays with difficult conversations or stepping into new paradigms in brainstorming solutions with the coach who's outside of the situation to see new possibilities. The client is coming to the coaching session to try to get clarity to actively try to shift something, sometimes a somatic state, sometimes a mindset. And then the client goes out into their life and that's where they're really taking action, right? So what kinds of actions can clients take? Well, in CLCC, we talk about different types of actions that you know clients can consider. Obviously, there's any action-oriented practice, uh, practice that you could give to clients between sessions that's really about like, you got to do this tangible thing. You got to make the call. You got to write the proposal. You got to buy the supplies. You got to set the deadline. You got to get in there and do. And that's a very action-oriented practice. And then adding a little accountability to that 
would be about the built-in integrity check or reporting back on something. Sometimes rewards and consequences, although I tend to avoid rewards and consequences for practices because I think of it like, you know, you don't want to turn practices for your client into homework. <laughs> um, and if the client feels like what's motivating them is that you might notice if they haven't done the homework, it's like, well, then how are we preparing them to go forward in, you know, life beyond coaching? We're not. So we really got to avoid the rewards and consequences as a primary motivation around accountability. There are practices you can offer to clients around what they feel. We think of these as somatic practices. You know, so often in our do, do, do culture, our hyperverbal culture, we think that talking about things or taking action are the only valid ways of really moving your life forward. But what if you asked your client to have a, an ongoing practice of a body scan? or an ongoing practice of tapping into how they feel before they say yes or no to a request. That can yield incredible, valuable information. How about clarifying and examining? You know, one of my favorites when a client has a sticky kind of a problem is to ask the client to ask a clarifying question of herself over and over and over. The repetition is so helpful. So a question like, well, what's really going on here? You know, that's a big one for me per, in my personal life as a practice. Um, if I'm feeling overwhelmed, particularly if I notice that I feel overwhelmed about one thing, but then I feel overwhelmed about another thing, but then I feel overwhelmed about another thing, it's like, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, Kate, breathe. What's really going on here? And I see that as a practice that is both clarifying and on some level, it can be somatic. Often for myself, it's about accessing the body and noticing what's happening in my body and then getting clear on what that means to me. Sometimes there are practices you might have a client do that's about shadow work. Any of you who are fans of the author Debbie Ford, The Dark Side of the Light Chasers, might be interested in helping your clients to pay attention to their shadow, the stuff they want to avoid, the resistance. I love, 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 love giving clients practices that are about experiencing. So movement, um, riffing out loud, uh, dialoguing with themselves, putting post-it post note reminders all over the place so that they can't really walk into a room and just like default to a habit. They actually really walk into the room and see all these post-it notes and that in, has some kind of an impact on their way of being because they, they are no longer on autopilot. The post-it notes are sort of getting them present and going, what is it you're actually trying to create here? There are so many different types of practices that you can create with your clients. And for sure in CLCC, we offer people a lot of them that they can try out while they're in training. But a huge thing that we encourage is for people to think about the practices that mean the most to them and that they notice they really love giving to their clients, which then ends up being something where um, they have the opportunity to really make their coaching practices more unique and feel like themselves. 
And there are all kinds of different practices across the spectrum, but here's the idea. If you're helping clients to take action, you're helping them to get clearer in your coaching sessions with them about where they're getting stuck, what's happening, the types of options that are available to them. And then you're helping them move into their lives doing something that is regular, doing something that is consistent, doing something that is going to build up in little bits over time. Now, of course, many of you already know that I've written this book. It's called The Courage Habit. It's on Amazon. It's at booksellers everywhere. And by the way, this made me go, ooh, I was like super excited and totally a geek. Book Riot named it one of the top books on habits. OMG. Super cool. So this book that I've written, The Courage Habit, came out in 2018. One of the things that I learned about habits is that they are behavioral. They are not just, you know, oh yeah, I brush my teeth every day. That's a habit. It's like, no, how you respond in an argument is a behavioral habit. How you react to uh, stress at your job, that's a behavioral habit. How you regard a lot of things is a behavioral habit. Now, People can decide that they want to change habits, but it's pretty critical to know what your triggers are that have you go into the default habit to begin with. So I wanted to end today's podcast episode by saying that in terms of the craft of coaching, part of the craft you will bring will be helping your clients to get clear on where their inaction has become a habit. And I'll just paint like a little picture for you. Like, have you, have you ever told yourself, I, I know I've, this has been a thing, you know, for, for lots of parents that I've talked to. Have you ever told yourself, okay, I have this passion project of my own. Maybe it's getting your coaching business going, right? Um, or maybe it's like writing a book or maybe it's, you know, uh, painting, you know, something for self-care. And you go, I really want to, to give myself some time for this passion project you know, when kids are in bed, that's the perfect time. They go to bed around 7.38. I go to bed at 10. I, I got a whole two hours to work on this. And then what do you do in that two hours? Most often what I hear is people get sucked into a screen haze, either Netflix or phones. Or they start thinking about all the things they really should be doing air quotes around should, like cleaning or, oh, I should get ahead on this or that or the other, and then they don't do it. So what you want to do in this case is look at your habit around inaction. Where has inaction and defaulting to getting in front of a screen or something become a habit? How can you help your clients recognize the cue that leads to going into the old behavior that they actually want to let go of? So we covered a lot today. You're thinking about how to set a container with a client where they really understand the costs of not taking action in their lives. We've talked about a lot of the different practices, the different types of practices that you can offer to your clients to complete in between sessions that really ups the value of the coaching work in a huge way. And then we're ending with, have you ever given any thought to habits that are about inaction? Usually we think about the habits that lead to a certain action, but what about the ones where we go, oh, you know, I'm too tired tonight, I won't do it. And that leads to a habit of inaction. Just some food for thought. 
As always, it is so great to have you listening. If you don't mind taking a moment to rate the podcast so that other people can find it, it's so appreciated. And as always, you can learn more about our program at teamclcc.com.